Hey everyone, welcome back to the Community Church Podcast. I'm Gabriel Young, the Director of Audiovisual. Today we're going to be continuing our series on Lent uh, with the third week. This week is all about, what was this week all about? Ah, yes, who do we say Jesus is? Also, the message today ends in a worship song, Who Do You Say I Am by Hillsong United. It was a wonderful moment, and I'm glad our podcast audience gets to participate. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, good morning, good to see everybody. What a great day to be together. A couple of shout-outs. Uh, I, I would say this is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. How about you? That's a good one, isn't it? How about this one? God is good. And all the time. Now, isn't that interesting? We haven't ever really done that much here, but you already know that, and that's kind of a very neat uh, thing that goes with that. A couple of things uh, before we get started uh, in the text this morning. We have two uh, opportunities, tools for you to invite someone, your neighbors, to church or just encourage them. Uh, one is a door hanger, so you can take that and don't even have to talk to them if you don't want to. You can just hang it on the door knob and run or ring the door. No, no. Uh, if you're a man, you can be in the urinal area and just hang this on the urinal. No, not here. Okay, or the toilet handle. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, I was being creative. Okay. Uh, the other thing is a great little booklet. We, we'll have some as you leave. Take some. Take some. We do not want to have any left over. And I know it's like, well, isn't East, you know, Easter a long way away? It's time to start sowing seeds. Amen? It's time to start sowing seeds. The other thing I wanted to uh, kind of do a, a shout out for is... Uh, I don't do a lot of, uh, well, most of you know that I am very much a patriot. I very much believe in the privilege of getting to vote as a citizen and that men and women gave their lives to give us that privilege. Coming up on April 2nd, there is a vote for a school bond issue. And what I'm going to tell you here is I want you to vote. I'm not going to tell you do this or do that, but I want you to vote. Now, if you ask me how I'm going to vote, I'm going to vote affirmative because I'm always for the, the, the building up and the betterment of our town. But, but I want you to just vote. And, and you can say, well, you know, it's not mine or it's not that big. A you know, don't make it just presidential elections that you make the effort to go vote. You're a citizen that was bought and paid for. Go vote. Amen? All right, there's my commercial. Some of you are there. Some of you are like, so what do you, if you want to come talk to me later, I'll tell you why I might vote. But I, I just want you to go vote because I believe that is a powerful, powerful thing that the United States of America has to their honor that other countries don't have. Okay. A couple of things as we go forward here. Uh, last night, this room, one more time, was uh, filled with great music, and Byron Berline and his band were, were here, and there were people from all over uh, Oklahoma. People drop in. You never know who's going to drop in. I know there, there's many national stars every now and then just drop in, you know, just incognito, and they show up. But it was a great thing for us to, to partner with them, just in that there was a lot of volunteers helping make that possible. Also, we have a couple of ladies, and there may be more, but I do have two. I tried to figure out who, was, who all that was in the, in the picture, and I don't know if they're doing green thumbs for Jesus or flowers for the Father or, or, or what, but let's just say thank you to, to our great uh, fly, looking flower beds and, and the 
it's a great thing. And then one last thing I want to give a shout out to is this is Janice Brown, also known as Mamo. And I don't know if that's M-O-M-O or M-A-M-O. I might have got that wrong, Janice. I don't know if you're here this morning. But, but last Wednesday, the student ministry reserved the entire 89er bowling alley. Great time. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm glad they didn't post all the pictures. I mean, I had shots of, you know, doing the... Doing, we were having a good time, but up here, the, the elementary ministries had Mamo, and she did a great job, and we're just excited about what God's up to in our ministries. Uh, and so thank you, Mamo, for being using her gifts. She's good. We have been, uh, the last few Sundays, uh, me bringing a focus on this time called Lent. Uh, it's a season of preparation. Lent, we, uh, borrowing some slides from the last couple of weeks, Lent is that 40-day period between, uh, that's prior to Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Last Sunday, I mentioned there are three basic things when you think about what should you do during the season or during this time of Lent. That's examining, examining excuse me, uh, yourself. And I don't know where I got that last word. But anyway, fasting and prayer. And I kind of spoke a little bit about it, about examining yourself is to do it with some intentionality. I don't know about you, but I'm always finding things that I can tighten up or change or get freer of or, or pick up habits. How many are like me? I've got some things still need to be worked out. Uh, and then prayer and fasting. I don't know about you, but there are times when, when I get all knotted up, when I, when I am unable to hear clarity uh, in my youth, I just bowled ahead and just pick up the pieces. Can I tell you, the wisdom of the Lord is far, far better than the, the uh, tr- training of the Lord. How many want to go with that? That's probably a tweetable right there. The wisdom of the Lord is better than the training of the Lord. But I can tell you when you fast and you pray, there's great things that you can get in on uh, what the Lord's doing. I will warn you, I've been in a season myself and and blood sugar causes Williams uh, men to get uh, edgy. And and so you just get a rubber band and every time you get around people, snap your wrist and go say, whatever's going on, you're not eating anything right now and don't, don't, don't snap. Do this and say snap, okay, whatever. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about when you don't eat? How many gets hangry? Okay, if I preach really long, how many be angry because you're not even able to go eat? There's not it. You know, I can go two or three hours. Nobody raised their hand. Okay. Also, amens knock off 10 to, 10 to 15 seconds or minutes or what? No, I, so this time, the, the real focus of, of this season is preparation. One of the things I've been trying to do is to ask the Lord how to take a very traditional concept, uh, a very traditional approach to, to Lent, and then really see if he has some more things he might be saying. And, and today is, not, is just like the last few weeks. It's a little different approach, but I think it is so relevant about preparing. Uh, you know, when we, uh, we're going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, and in Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to actually go to the end of where we're going to wind up, because it's interesting that even past this point in the book of Matthew, there are many more chapters, but there's this defining place where Jesus, you know, he's grown up, you know, 30 years into young manhood, and he grew in stature and favor, and then when he entered into his ministry, even in that narrow window of three years, he had intentionality. And he was preparing for one thing and one thing only, and that is his crucifixion. He knew mankind, he was sent for a purpose, much like you were brought into this world for a purpose. And if you don't believe it, pinch your neighbor. I just want to see me, I say, ouch. <laughs> I hope you knew that person. 
But, but he was constantly put, so in this particular verse 21 in chapter 16, it says, from that time, basically on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. He's to be killed and on the third day be raised. He makes this, it's in the scripture, it's in the book, but, and, and yet there's much more ahead. See, there are things along the way that you must prepare for sometimes well in advance. And the greatest thing that we need to, this particular subset of sermon title, is what do you, who, who do you think I say I am? I mean, who, who do you say I am? And, and last week, we had a, a sub, subtitle to this thing of Lent. But today is, who do you say I am? That was a, it was a large question of its time. It's a question that, that really, uh, when, when a human uh, needs to check, decide about direction of life and where things are going, I mean, we might have uh, questions like, who am I going to marry, or what school am I going to go to, or what college, or, or how, what about retirement? Some of you have to make bad, uh, difficult decisions about things that aren't so good, like, like, do I take chemo or not, or do I have that surgery or not? But there's these decisions, but can I say there's never been a human question that is so vital to answer properly is that who do you say Jesus is preparation we look at chapter 16 again verse 13 we're going to go back to there and it starts off saying that now when Jesus came into the uh, into the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say the son of man is interesting that he is uh, beginning with asking his disciples with followers of christ and and if i it'd be like me saying who do you think people in guthrie would say jesus is or maybe where you work i'd come to you because you represent that workplace and say so who do you think people say jesus is now the interesting thing is i don't believe jesus was unaware of what people were thinking I think he already knew the hearts of all the people there. So why was he asking that question? It's very, we're going to come back to that, but it's an interesting thing. He was priming the disciples for a bigger question. Let me give you a little background. Where is this Caesarea Philippi? You know, it is in the northwestern port, part of Israel. You can kind of see there's Syria and Lebanon, all friendly people, obviously. I didn't get... The first service was fewer, but man, they were lit up. So I'm just going to say, I do have two hours worth of material here, just to let you know. No. The reason I, that this is so important is to understand this context of where we're at, this, where this question was asked. And when you look at here, this district, the, the, they've been uh, hiking or trekking out of, from Galilee, and that's about a 25-mile hike. It would have taken two days to walk it, and they've wound up in this, this place that, that I'm going to bring you more information on. It, it, it's not necessarily the best place on earth during that time. See, Caesarea Philippi is also known as uh, uh, Baneus or Paneus, and it's uh, and then we get that word from the Greek god Pan, P-A-N. See, when you go to Baneus, which was uh, actually Baneus was first, Baneus is later known as uh, Caesarea Philippi, is is a place that has uh, a beauty and lushness, and there's greenery, and and the Roman sanctuary was built there, and and up against a cliff, uh, Mount Hermon, the cliff, and there was water coming out of a cave, perfect place to have a re- resort or retreat. Who's this pan? Well, it's not Peter Pan. We, we kind of made that pan, you know, a peanut butter and a great Disney movie, right? 
But this pan is a, it comes out of Greek mythology. And the Greek mythology entered in after Alexandria the Great had conquered that area, much moved in, and so that's part of the whole context of this new culture. So you have pan, and pan is this weird compilation of parts and pieces from animals and man. And he represents what? He rep- he's called the god of the wild. No, I think he's talking about wild kingdom or something. Anyway, shepherds and flocks and nature and wild things and rustic. I mean, and, and he's also connected to fertility and, and the season of spring. And so you can only imagine if they had a temple for Pan, what they were doing. I don't need to go into detail on that, I hope. But here's a conceptual drawing of what you find in this particular location. You find over here this larger temple is actually backed up against an opening, a cave, which, which water flowed out. And it flowed out from, from the depths of, you know, the earth. And, and, it, it, and this temple was arranged such that the water would flow through the center of the temple. And that that particular temple was to honor Caesar. The little courtyard next to it was actually the place for Pan the honoring of pan it was his place and then the smaller one of course you've got to have keep all the gods happy that was for zeus you're like and what does this have to do with easter okay let me just get you get you set up here so here we have this this hole in the ground this is a more modern day picture these are the ruins and you have this hole this this cave this grotto as they call it this indention and and around it is all this stuff this pagan worship and pagan things are happening and here we find that jesus and his disciples are in the vicinity i had the privilege of being there when i went to israel and i've prayed there it's interesting what you can pick up and sense when you're in places that have had devil worship and pagan worship but here they are why would jesus choose that and why would that be relevant today i believe that when you think about this hole in the ground it, and you realize that it was referred to as the gates of hell see a place that comes out from a spring from the ground many times was referred to as the portals of haiti it's a it's a gateway to the darkness it's it's this thing that that in fact they thought pan and his people kind of hung out there in the winter and came out later it's just a lot of crazy mythology but here's jesus and he's i believe oh and i i like the little last comment it's kind of like the red light district we'd call it that they didn't call it that back then right And any good Christian follower would never wind up in the red light district, would they? But here they are. And what relevance would it have then, but also what relevance does it have now? I'm going to say the parallel is this. We find ourselves next to darkness all the time. We find ourselves as believers or non-believers, but we find ourselves in this culture with the culture being pagan in many ways how many would agree with that it's interesting that christ would bring them there to ask this question that he's going to ask first what do people say about me but then he's going to lead up to another question you know imagine standing there and this is this big you know all the things that have gone on there but he brings down he says now when jesus came right he goes there was an answer you know some say it's john the baptist some say it's elijah some say it's jeremiah the interesting thing is you know it's it's one thing to know about jesus it's another thing to know him it's one thing to to say i'm i I understand and i really think he's a great guy and and you know i think he's a good prophet and i believe he's a he's done well you know but it's a lot different to say he's god 
And here they were. He moves on to verse 15, and this is the pivot point. He first gets them thinking about what other thing people are saying, but then he goes, hey, might be asking that this this morning. Who do you say that I am? Not what you think, not what you read. What do you, who do you say? What do you tell other people? What do you do out in public in this contrasting situation where some good Jewish boys are up against some, some stuff that no Jewish good boy would ever be involved in, and you're up against darkness? What do you say about me? See, when you say yes to Jesus, at least back then, you were saying no to Caesar because Caesar was thought of as a god. If Jesus is Lord, then Caesar's not. And that was actually punishable by death. Imagine the parallel today when we are standing in places. Now, here is it. It's interesting is we don't have to go to rock formations to find darkness. We can sit in front of a computer. We can sit with a phone, iPhone. We can go to workplaces that have light here in one cubicle and darkness in another. Amen? So here we have this contrast. Who do you say? And I'm thinking in preparation for this, this celebration, this time of resurrection when he pays our sin penalty, why would he, he knows that's coming, why would he bring them there? I believe it's important he's trying to say this is really what the key to my ministry and time here on earth is about. It's not about me doing miracles and healing people and all that. It, it's, that's, that's great. But it's to get people to know who I am. And it isn't it interesting, Simon, and I believe there were crickets before this happened. I believe when they said, who do you say I am? Because they knew right then that they could be subject to Roman punishment even up to death. And so he's like, so who do you say I am? And they're thinking back through all of the, the wonderful things that he's done. He's, they're thinking back to the miracles they've seen. Some of you that are sitting here this morning can look back, go back to the time that you first ran into his love and his forgiveness and his grace. Remember that time he saw you through that tough situation. You know, you can reflect back and you, you begin to try to put things into words of what he is. And so Pete, Simon Peter, Cephas, Rock, replies, you are the christ you are the christ the son of the living god and it says that in that moment in verse 17 that jesus responded and says blessed are you when you and i'm going to take this modern when we finally realize who christ is And we finally have that revelation, not in our mind, but in our spirit of who God is, that he's the son of the living God. Something happens. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. Not a good Bible study, and that's good. Not just going to church, that's good. It's not what somebody else told you. No, that's intellectual insight. This is what it says. Look, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father who is in heaven. The Holy Spirit moves and opens our hearts and minds for a fresh revelation. And I believe when that happens, just like we're going to read here, that God's church begins to be built forward. The kingdom of God begins to to move forward based on a faith like that. And he says, and I'll tell you, you are Peter. 
On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys. He's saying, look, this is going to happen and I'm going to give you all that you need to make it possible. And it's something beyond your abilities. You're a great orator. You're a great leader, whatever you've been trained to do. But he says, because you've believed in me, you finally get that revelation deeper in your spirit. I'm then going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And we've read this before. What you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's interesting, he followed up with this verse. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was Christ. That, that was because it, unlike today, when we know the rest of the story, he had yet had some more chapters to be written. He had to go through a number of more things before it would be time. But we know better. We know differently. We know that he took our sin upon him. He took my sin upon us. I don't know about you, but he took my sin. It's personal. How many know that that's, that's what it is? It's personal? That you were part of his death. Now, he allowed it, but he, my sin broke Christ. Bill's sin. And I know that he was crucified, and I, and I know that he died for me, and I know that shed blood paid for my price, but, and I know he was put in a tomb, and I know three days later he was, was raised, and I know that I believe him as my Lord and Savior. Hmm. So the question is, who do I say? Who do I, who do you say I am? Who do I say he is? I believe as we approach, as we hand out things like this, as we uh, prepare ourselves in this time leading up to the Resurrection Sunday, the question of questions is just like the disciples. Who do you say I am? We have a video, a short video I would like to share with you. And during that time, the worship team is going to come up. And really, then we're going to have, I want to to share a song God put on my heart. And then we're going to sing it and then we'll close in prayer. That's kind of the the rest of the service. But but what I want you to do is be asking your spirit. I, I don't want you to leave today without being able to think that through, that question. Who do you, who do you say that I am? Let's look at this video. We were walking by the gates of hell, not the, not the literal gates of hell, but the, the ones at Caesarea Philippi, where the, uh, where the pagan worshipers had their idols. We're walking by, and we are we're nervous. Our, our hearts are beating out of our chest because we're Jewish men. This is not our place. We don't fit in. We're wondering why we're there. And Jesus stops. And he looks at us and he just asks this question, who do people say I am? Okay, well, we think uh, Bartholomew, he spoke up, Bart said, some people say John the Baptist. Someone else, uh, I don't remember who it was, said some people say a prophet. Someone else said Elijah. And then Jesus just interrupts us and he says, What about you? Who do you say I am? 
That's, that's a big question. You don't want to get this one wrong. So we're all sitting there in awkward silence. And Peter just starts pointing. Nothing's coming out of his mouth, just pointing. And then it just came out. You are the Christ. And Jesus just smiles. When he smiled, it just... Anyway, that's that's when I, I noticed that the whole time we'd been talking, Jesus had been digging in the dirt. He would do that. He stands up and he's got this stone in his hand. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, you're right, I'm the Christ. And, and then he looked at Peter and he said, you're the rock, a rock on which to build my church. A church that will be so strong that not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. So, who do I say he is? I saw things that to this day I can't explain. I experienced a love so deep that it changes you from the inside out. He is the Christ. And like he said, he's coming back to rescue us. And nothing can stop him. Nothing. Not even the gates of hell can stop him. Amen. You'll stand with me. I want to talk to you about a song that... You've heard probably, but I wanted to outline for you. It's actually from Hillsong. And the song title is, Who Do You Say I Am? Who You Say I Am? And, I, and, and I re, let me just put it in context. I believe there are many in here that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me just say, if your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, that today you need to shore that up because you don't get any keys to any kingdom if you just think about him and think he's a good prophet or something. But if you know him and he is, you have put your trust in him, you've believed in your heart, you have professed with your mouth, then he has given you something extra. But the scheme of the devil leading up especially to Easter and really life is to convince you you're something you're not. Can I tell you, you're born again. You have a new name in the Lord Jesus Christ when you say yes to him. This song says some lyrics that I'm going to read to you and I'm going to just, it's just so appropriate that, that you would embrace that truth because we need to there needs to be more believers who've been given the keys to the kingdom have given the the holy spirit's help when we are embraced against the 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 darkness or the gates of hell that we rebuke them in the name of jesus that we say no that's not who i am this is who i am no i don't believe that any longer this is who i am look at these lyrics who am i who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me, what, in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. And it says, free at last. See, when we finally get set free from the chains that bound us in sin by the freedom of Jesus Christ, he ransoms us. He sets us free. And his grace begins to run deep. And it says here, while I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, yes. 
Jesus died for Bill Williams. He died for you. I don't know if you need to point somebody, but this is real stuff about preparing your heart for the resurrection. Who the son is set free. Who The daughter that's been set free. Oh, is free indeed. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child. What? I'm a child of God. How many say they're a child of God today? Yes, I am. And it goes in and in my father's house, there's a place for me. Did you know he's making a place for you as we speak? Did you know it's a perfect place that he's readying for you when you come to heaven? And he says, look, I'm a child of God. One more time. Yes, I am. How many of you say I'm a child of God? Yes, I am. Remind your spirit. Remind your flesh. Remind yourself so as you go out from here, you can say, I am chosen. I am not forsaken. I am who he says I am. He is for me. Yo, he's with me. He's not against me. I am who you say I am. What I want to do now is I want to, I'm just going to come down here in worship, but I want to ask y'all to make a declaration to the darkness. I want you to kind of, in a sense, say, I'm going to tell all that that bothers me where they, where it can take a hike. And that response is either you just raise your hands while we sing this or step out here with me. Last, last service was this, the front was filled up and I'm not saying what you need to do, but respond. Let the world say, start right now speaking out. What would you say? I'm going to say, yes, I am. I'm a child of the King. Let's join. And then I'll close in prayer.
One of the greatest things that we as the church, and I'm talking about bigger than this room, can be is convinced of who we are, that what happened at Calvary was powerful enough to take care of what ails us today, what binds us today, and that the power of the cross is the answer for our communities. The power of the cross is the answer for our nation and for our world, and we've got to walk in that confidence, not in ours, but in his. Amen? Don't let the devil whisper lies to you any longer. Let's go out encouraged of what Christ did, not what you did, what Christ did for you. Father, now as a people, we say thank you. Thank you for dying for us and making a way to have life and life abundantly because of your spirit and your word and purpose for your kingdom to advance on this earth. I ask you to bless these people as we leave and let us be a light that is so apparent, that our faith is so apparent, that if we're out at the restaurants today and somebody says anything, we can say, so so what would you say about me in that place? And may we be bold to bring forth a testimony. We love you, Lord. We pray this in God's people said, Amen. amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed.